for many of us, we, we do remember 20 years ago this next Saturday. We remember the pictures of loved ones lining fences along the streets of New York City. Messages, have you seen my dad? Have you seen my mom? Have you seen my son? We remember that the, the phones didn't work well. Emergency broadcasting for like weeks. We remember the, those images that we can't get out of our heads of people desperately trying to get out of the buildings and our first responders who were rushing in. I remember how crisp that day was, early fall, there in New York City and here. I remember how odd it was, how quiet the skies were because of all of our planes being grounded. I remember walking on that day with my now 92-year-old mentor, Don, and we're just walking through a neighborhood and just weeping and he just simply said, this reminds me of Pearl Harbor. I remember lying in bed that night feeling so alone, being so separated and isolated from, from family and loved ones. I remember the cicadas were just so loud that night as if they too knew. I remember going to church and this sense of, I have to be a part of community. I have to be connected. I remember coming to this book in the Old Testament, one that was so foreign to me but now felt tragically so familiar. It's from the Old Testament. It's the book of Lamentations. It's the, it's the laments or the prayers of the people. And just reading and pouring over passages like this, chapter two, verse 18, the hearts of the people cry out to the Lord. You walls of daughter Zion, let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourself no relief, your eyes no rest. Goes on to say, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. This is prayer. This is a prayer. We've talked in this series now about, we don't need to make it complicated, actually, prayer can be simple. We don't need to compartmentalize it like you only pray in certain places and times and with certain people, actually, we can pray on the move. And that actually we come up against our own self-absorption and there is no greater love than when we pray and contend in battle on someone else's behalf, bringing them before the throne of grace and the deep heart of our Father. And today we're going to talk simply about praying in tears. Where prayer isn't triumphalistic where it's not tidy and where we don't put a nice little bow on things, where we actually ask ourselves this question, is it okay to not be okay with God? 
is it okay to not be okay with God? Because at the end of the day, what prayer is, is simply us turning our thoughts and our emotions to him. That's it. And making space for God to turn his thoughts and his emotions, how he feels about the matter to us. That's what prayer is at the end of the day. No matter how wide the range of your emotions, no matter how deep or guttural the feelings of pain, no matter the accusation or the doubt, it is okay to not be okay with God. And we just, we just know, Pastor Randy and I, and as a team, we've just been sitting in the, and being immersed in a sense of the prayers of us as a people. It is a, it is a bit like the Western Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, where people for centuries now have brought their laments, written them on little scratches of paper and stuffed them into the cracks of walls, and that's what we have too, we have, we have just little scraps of paper. Some of us write them in journals, others of, of us are writing them in, in the prayer text wall that, that we've just recently released. There's a phone number where we want to collectively join you in your prayers, in your laments. The breakthroughs, yes, but also the how come God, where are you God moment. And if you haven't grabbed it yet already, just Take a snap of that phone number, put it in your phone, and let's be a people who literally, we do not move without prayer, no matter what the prayer is, no matter what the pain is. Let's be a praying people. And we shared this last week, but there, if we just kind of put as a composite, just kind of a cluster of all the prayers, we want to keep your individual prayers sacred and confidential, but... I mean, just look here. Here's kind of the, the categories of the, of the prayers that are being offered up, poured out, cried out, healing, cancer, loss, grief. So many about kids. I've just been overwhelmed this week. How many of us are lamenting for a wayward son or daughter or for a sick child? We have so much to pray for. Do you know what prayer actually uh, means. It comes from the Latin. It's the Latin word precarious. Isn't that helpful? That we pray because life is precarious. From Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, uh, A Simple Guide for Normal People, he writes in his opening chapter this. He says, our English word prayer derives from the Latin precarious. We pray because life is precarious. We pray because life is marvelous. We pray because we find ourselves at a loss for many things, but not at a loss for the simplest words like, please, thank you, wow, and help. I prayed, he writes, when I held our babies for the first time. I prayed when work overwhelmed me and I knew I couldn't cope. I prayed when my wife was wheeled away down the hospital corridor unconscious. I prayed the night I saw the northern lights. That's why we pray. In all times, in all seasons, we can bring all things to God. 
and what bumps up against it all the time in this moment where life is messy and precarious and we come to God in our, in our weeping and in our doubting is this sense of my self-sufficiency. <laughs> we've talked about self-absorption, we've talked about complexity, we've talked about compartmentalization as prayer killers, but the greatest thing that stops our prayers is when we think we can handle life on our own. Would you agree? And there are just things in our lives that bring us literally and physically to our knees where we go, God, I have no one else but you, right? And I know a couple of weeks ago, I made some light of the idea of you don't have to pray on your knees. You can do prayer in any kind of form, but sometimes there's just no better place, right? And I'd love for us to pray together and and for those of you that are able and willing, wherever you are, Speedway, South Sanctuary, online community, I'd love for us to find a physical expression that matches the inward posture of our hearts. I'm gonna go to my knees, and you might go, but Dan, you have carpet, that's why you can go to your knees. <laughs> and you have like concrete, I know. But whatever you can do in this moment, just take your, your palms and place them on your laps as a physical outward gesture of an inward reality. You can stand if you want, but we're just gonna spend a moment turning our thoughts, turning our emotions to God and making space for him to turn his towards us. Will you join me in that? Father, we come to you and ask you to still our minds, bring rest to our bones, and collect our scattered senses in the presence of you, O oh God. And Father, we rejoice, we choose to rejoice. We might not feel like rejoicing right now. But we choose to rejoice in who you are, sovereign, redeemer. Rock, refuge, shelter. We rejoice in the fact, God, that in our frailty and vulnerability, you rejoice being with us as your kids.
God, we ask you on behalf of our world, on behalf of the suffering and the poor, the persecuted, the Afghanis, Haitians, those in Louisiana, those in our neighborhoods. For our first responders, God, those still holding dear their loved ones from 20 years ago, those today, God, who stand in the gap. We pray for the oppressed, for those who experience injustice every day. We pray for the falsely accused. We pray for those who are sick. God, all of these things, we come to you and we just, we join the scriptures. We say, how much longer? When will you, God? When will you break through? When will you show up in power? Where are you, God? Come, Lord Jesus, come into these spaces and into these places and into the cracks of our walls into our frailties and our vulnerabilities. We need you, oh God, we ask you to intervene. And we yield, ultimately, God, we yield to the fact that life is hard and you are good. We yield to your deep heart We yield to the fact that nothing, nothing is wasted. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm curious, um, how'd that feel? How'd it feel to, um, assuming maybe you let yourself go just a little bit more? That was my hope. And, and was, was that okay? Maybe to put it just a, a, at a question. Is there anything that we can't bring to God? Any emotion, any thought, any doubt, any accusation? Is there anything that we can't bring to God? Maybe put it another way. Do you think God gets tired of our whining? <laughs> or to put it more caustically, can we give God the business? That's what I love. I love about what the Bible tells us here. That's what I love about the deep heart of God. He wants us to bring it all to him. And this is modeled from beginning to end. Ecclesiastes says, hey, sometimes a house of mourning way better than a house of laughter. There is a time to dance and to laugh. There's a time to weep too. And in fact, Ecclesiastes say, there is a sad face is good for the heart. A sad face is good for the heart. Jesus picks this theme up when he says, blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. 
He says in a different place that won't God bring justice to those who cry out to him day and night. And he cried out himself. He cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I guarantee you it didn't sound that composed. It was more like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know, actually, that he was quoting David from the Psalms. And you read through the Psalms, and it's like this violent EKG chart of emotion, of up and down. And you look at it, and you think about David, and you're like, well, man, Prozac might have helped him back in this, like... That's amazing, and it's beautiful, and it's profound. And we see those as they were interacting with Jesus, Mary and Martha, they came to him. Their brother Lazarus had died, and they gave him the business. Our brother wouldn't have died if you had been here, Lord. Do you feel the permission to talk to him like that? To join the psalmist, the wisdom literature, the prophets, the disciples, even Lamentations. I mean, Lamentations is just incredible. Even how it ends, you just go through and there's little snippets of like niceties. But even how it ends, like, look, the last three chapters, or verse, I'm not gonna read the last three chapters, I promise. <laughs> the last three verses. Chapter five, verse 20. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. That's it. That's how it ends. It's not how I generally end my prayers. I like to put a little nice theological wrap on it. I like to put a nice little bow, a little cherry on top, something to make me feel a little bit better. But they're like, bam. How about that, God? Now, the theology there, not good. We know they haven't been re rejected. We know there's a redemptive plan. The beauty there is honesty. Honesty, gritty, guttural, vulnerable. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. All prayers blaspheme. Isn't that good? All prayers, they blaspheme. Why? Because the point of prayer isn't to get it all right. The point of prayer is to just turn our thoughts, whatever they might be, and emotions to him. And when you do that, there can be a tendency to go, man, I think I'm losing my mind. Or may, I, I think I'm, I'm losing my faith. Or wow, I, I, I must not be a really strong Christian. Well, guess what? Quite the opposite. That to lament takes incredible faith. Think about it this way. When you're mad at God, you know what you're actually saying? You're saying, God, I believe you are powerful. I just don't get why you're not showing up. See, that's great, great, incredible faith. When you're doubting God, like the man that brings his son before Jesus, and he says, I do believe, help my unbelief. You're actually, you're, you're trusting God so much to be honest with him, to be angry with him, because somehow, your belief in God isn't matching the reality in which you're experiencing him. And when you speak into that with lament, holy cow, it's amazing. In an awesome little book by a friend of mine, Justin McRoberts, called Prayer, it's this very artistic um, approach to, to prayer, 40 days of practice. He writes about lament. 
And I'll give you a little run up here before the quote comes on the screen. He says this, anger, sadness, or disappointment are not signs of a breakdown or of a weakness in your faith. Expressed as lament, they can be an act of faith and a necessary one. The ability to communicate dark thoughts and negative emotions can be a sign that a relationship is strong and that we aren't afraid. Our feelings, heavy as they may be, will sink that relationship. And it's true in our earthly relationships as well, isn't it? That if you can actually turn in the midst of conflict to somebody and bring your lament or whatever it might be, you're actually demonstrating, I trust this relationship. I trust that this is secure. I trust you're not gonna go anywhere if I bring the full throttle of my emotions to you. And we do the same with God. We're trusting in the strength of the relationship when we bring to him our lament. Takes incredible faith. Here's another thing that it does. It begins the path of healing. It begins the path of healing. Actually, what we um, often do when there's grief, when there's pain, we kind of have two different ditches that we fall in. The first ditch is that we can dwell in our pain. The second ditch is we can deny our pain. And we kind of think that's the, the, the two options, and, they, and neither one of them lead to good places. If we dwell in our pain, we just go inward with our pain, and then we feel helpless in our pain, and then we ultimately get stuck. We become kind of a victim of our pain, right? Or we deny our pain, and we go outward, seeking all sorts of distraction. For many of us, it's productivity. We're going to outperform our pain. We're going to try to be the hero uh, we're going we're gonna to tr be triumphant over this thing. And what are we doing? We're suppressing our pain. This, by the way, is my imaginary whiteboard for you. Is it working? <laughs> right? You've got what's over here? Dwell. Right? We go inward. We become helpless. We get stuck. What's over here? This is we deny. And we go outward. Try to outperform. Be the hero and suppress what are you, by the way, in your pain, in your grief? How many of you would say, I'm a dweller, I dwell, I go inward, right? How many, think about it really fast, online, put it on uh, in the chat box, okay? How many of you are deniers? I'm just going to push through, man, just going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. How many of you are deniers, right? This is why, by the way, we do this thing called care groups, care groups, whether it's grief, whether it's divorce or sort of any other things that are launching this fall, by the way, because we just know we weren't made to fall into those two ditches. We need to be in community. We need to walk these things out. And there's a third way, and this is where lament is so beautiful. We don't d dwell in our pain. We don't deny our pain. We actually, what do the scriptures say? We pour out our pain with tears. We pour out that's lament. We pour out our pain. And what we're doing in that moment is we are making space for the Holy Spirit to walk us through into our pain and then out to redeem that pain for the sake of others who are in it. See, lament is also a way of making space for the Holy Spirit. I want us just to look at Romans chapter 8 quickly because the Apostle Paul walks us through three different things that the Holy Spirit does in the midst of suffering, in the midst of lament. 
and grief. Verse 26, Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Apostle Paul writes, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us. That word for help, really, really cool. It doesn't mean I'm going to send you a little text message of encouragement. It doesn't mean I'll send you a facsimile of support. It doesn't mean that I'll send a messenger. It actually means I'm going to come alongside you and join you. In other words, the Holy Spirit intervenes for us in the midst of these places. Like comes, joins, gives us power, gives us strength, gives us perseverance, steps in. It's a little bit like when I'm trying to do something mechanical at the house and I get stuck because I'm completely ill mechanical. And I'll say to my wife, who's supremely talented in these areas, I'm like, honey, I don't know how to do this thing with the mechanical thing. She'll roll her eyes. She'll go, give it to me, is what she says. <laughs> and then I feel like a wee little man, is what, is what happens. <laughs> that would be a negative example of intervention. <laughs> the beautiful example is when the Holy Spirit comes and joins alongside and embeds, imbues a sense of perseverance, power, encouragement in our weakness. Goes on. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Here's what's cool. Who's doing the groaning? The Holy Spirit. Now, we might not have words, and they might come out at groans as groans, but it's the Holy Spirit who's groaning. In other words, the Holy Spirit not only intervenes to bring help, the, the Holy Spirit identifies with us in our pain and groans on our behalf. And so when you are crushed in spirit, as the scriptures say, the Holy Spirit is joining you with help and groaning for you. Wow. Thirdly, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Not only does he intervene, not only does he identify, he actually intercedes, which means beg, plead, appeal before the Father on our behalf. Now, you might remember from last week we looked at Hebrews where it says that Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf. And you might go, well, who's doing the interceding? The great news is both. This is so awesome. I love how John Murray kind of distinguishes between it. Look at this with me. He says this, Christ is our intercession in the court of heaven. The Holy Spirit is our intercession in the theater of our own hearts. Interceding, going before begging and appealing. Lament takes incredible faith, you guys. It begins the path of healing, and so many of us need that. And it makes space for the Holy Spirit to work. This is why we pray. We pray simply. We pray on the move. We pray in battle on behalf of others, and we pray with tears. No matter what it is, we turn our thoughts to God. We turn our emotions to God. We make space for the very heart of God to turn with his thoughts and emotions to us as well. We come to the end of our series on prayer, but hopefully we don't come to the end of our prayers. As Pastor Randy and I and the team, as we've been talking, there's this sense that actually 
Something's grabbing hold of us in a new way. Would you agree? Something different is starting to move among us. We sense it, we feel it, we hear it. And this value of ours that we do not move without prayer, we don't move without prayer, is not something that just goes on a wall, not something that just goes on letterhead, but actually there is this sense Yes, life is messy, it's precarious, and we want to join God in all that he's doing so we don't move, and we are not moving without prayer. And one of the big hearts of of this series has been to say, and there's so many that have gone before us, so many that behind the scenes, invisibly, have been contending on behalf of all of us in prayer. And I want you to hear of one such story. Let's watch. When I think about prayer and Westside Family Church, I have one person in mind, and that's Barbara Rainey. When I think about Barbara, she has walked with God for a long time. She used to tell me stories of her mom praying for Kansas City, revival in Kansas City. She'd wake up in the middle of the night, her mom would be on her knees praying for revival in Kansas City. And so from a very, very young age, uh, she had her mother model prayer for her. Barbara started praying with me April 2007, April 17th, I even remember the date. Every time that she would pray, I would literally take notes because it was so powerful. She would get up at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and sit before the Lord and pray. And she was just very, very committed to prayer. started the prayer team just to pray for the community and and things like that and so we gathered together and that very first night we had over 300 people show up and Barbara was in one of those 300 people she had had a number of health issues but that didn't stop her she came wheeling in one time she's in a wheelchair and I said Barbara what are you doing here she's like oh we've got so many things to pray for we need to pray for our country and there's these movements that Westside is doing we need to we need to pray I need to be here and she says as long as I still have breath in my lungs I can still pray she would remember people's names and intricate things that we would pray years and years and years ago she was always specific because she spent so much time in that with us in our group as well as in her personal time at home At the end of 2020, uh, Ty 
had reached out to me. He's one of the videographers here at Westside Family Church, and um, he wanted to film Barbara to tell the life of her prayer journey. January of 2021, Barbara went home to be with the one that she adored. And I remember the last words that she told me before she passed away was that Jesus said, I'm coming soon. Tell them I'm coming soon. The man that walked on water told me to tell you I'm coming soon. <laughs> 